Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there. We're your two old bloggers and we're here this Sunday afternoon to talk Minnesota Vikings as usual. We've done it for over two decades apiece publicly and we've taken it to YouTube and we now do it live on Sundays. At least Sundays, at least for now. Today we've got another exciting show scheduled for you. We have numerous topics today, starting out with Quasi trading Zadarius Smith to the Cleveland Browns. Was it a good move? Let you decide. Secondly, we're going to get into whether the schedule is favorable for the Vikings or not. We're going to be analyzing it and coming to our own conclusions Darren's going to bring up a few things he thinks are important, and I will as well. Followed by our section called Quick Hitters. And there, you're getting bonus content because we have three topics. First one's going to be cornerback feelings. Do the corners have feelings? We'll talk about <laughs> it. Then comes safety spaces. Safety spaces, Dave. Don't you mean safe spaces? No, I mean more than just safe spaces. I mean a lot more. We're talking about speed, aggression, and all-out malice. And then we'll close the show with our tribute, our RIP, to the great Joe Cat. Coming up next on Two Old Vloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey, everybody, we're back again. First off, I want to acknowledge everybody that's showing up in chat. Jason, Justin, Bob, Norspecis. Love that one now, buddy. Uh, <laughs> my worthless opinion. The great and gracious Mary Fisk. Hopefully she got her Mother's Day calls and uh, wishes today. Good old Raymond. And who else is in there that I'm missing? Of course, Davey Chains, my buddy, who sent me a, an article about budget bourbons. Love it, Davey. Love it. Appreciate it so much. And hey there, Chuck. Glad you could join us. We are about to get this show absolutely rolling, and it's going to be a good one. Hey there, Doug. Bada bing, bada boom. Let's move over to the slideshow presentation portion of the show. And we started off, we titled this one, Zedarius Smith Traded to the Browns. Did Quasi do the right thing? Question is, did he? Now on the theme one. Zadarius traded? Indeed he was, Dave. Dropped on uh, Friday, we learned that uh, Z. Smith is no longer a Minnesota Viking. Um, that seemed like a bit of a foregone conclusion, I think, um, when um, because you got a player upset, you know, not happy with his contract, didn't want to be here, Vikings weren't really interested in in uh, and he sent out a social media post a couple of months ago um, that uh, caught the Vikings off guard, I think. And uh, and then he sold his house. 
so there was a bunch of things that indicated that the Zedaria Smith was not going to be a Viking uh, in 2023. So this isn't a surprise, but uh, when you make a deal like this, um, you, you know, you would, we'd, there was speculation all through, you know, through fandom about what the Vikings could get or what they should get if they decided to move on from Zedaria Smith and trading him, trading him. There's all uh, kinds of different opinions, some of them realistic and some of them not realistic. And so this, <laughs> you know, like uh, we're, we should get two number ones for Zedaria Smith. Well, uh, that ain't happening. Um, you might be able to, I don't think you could get two new number ones for Zedaria Smith after 2019 when he had his best year ever. But be that as it may, um, we found out what the compensation was and what Quasi Dofamensa got for him on Friday. And, uh, and you know, I don't – looking at the deal, uh, I understand why it had to be made. Um, I think that, you know, you're losing uh, – Zedaria Smith is a loss for the Vikings defense. We knew – I think all of us pretty much were resigned to the fact that he wasn't going to be a Viking in 2023, but it's still a loss for this defense. We had talked a bit about, well, you know, if they could find a way to keep him – you got Daniel Hunter, you got Marcus Davenport and Zadarius Smith. Dave, you know, I know you were kind of looking at I was here. all excited about that. That yeah. the idea of those three going at it on the field was just going to terrorize offenses. Oh, I, I thought it'd be great. But there was the financial consideration to all of this, and that's what led to this move. That and he wanted out. And we knew we yeah. know that's been done before. Stefan Diggs. Yes. Yep, exact. 2019, Diggsy wanted out because uh, he didn't like uh, the way the offense was going and his role in it. And um, there was no talking him out of it. Uh, the Vikings, Rick Spielman, the general manager at the time, they had to make a deal. I think they made a good deal. Uh, they got quite a bit of compensation from it. And what they did with the compensation ended up, particularly with Justin Jefferson, that, you know, that's worked out well for the Bills and it's worked out well for the Vikings. Uh, in this case, though, a little bit different situation, uh, not exactly the same uh, bargaining power that the Vikings had in this case that they had with Diggs. And, you know, you, Dave, you can kind of look at in the off season after the season happens, you know, I kind of, how did the conversation go with Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Zadarius Smith? It probably went like this. You know, Smith goes, Hey man, uh, I just got 10.5. I sent, I, I signed a below market value deal with you guys. I just was basically your whole, your most valuable player on defense for half of the season. I ended up with 10.5 sacks. I, you know, I was healthy or I played just about all of the games. Um, you know, uh, I need to be compensated differently. I'm not going to play for the contract that, that you've got me signed for now. Quasi Dofamensa said, hey, hold on here, Z-Man. You are under contract for two more years. Uh, have you looked at our salary cap situation lately? We can't afford to give you a big deal. Um, it's so either, you know, we'll try to do what we do, but either you play for what we signed you for and that you willingly signed for. or pennies the second year no. of his contract and we'll get into this was for 15 almost point 15.5 million dollars yeah so that you know with Quasi said hey man uh sort of this is this is where we're at i don't know if i don't if you're not happy with it this is what we're prepared to do um uh, you know i guess we'll I'll, we'll look at a way to get you out of town if that's how you feel because we can't go any more than where we're going I think that's probably how it happened. And uh, so the Vikings got what they got. They got, you, you know, they traded him to the Browns and 
again, you know, I understand why they did the deal. I think we all, most of us do. Uh, it was a financial situation and also you had your player. If the Vikings were not prepared to rejig Sardaria Smith's contract and, and that's what he wanted, then you've got an unhappy player. And again, you, you just can't have that during the year. You, you got to move him. But that doesn't mean that the deal that was made was a good deal. Uh, I think that the Vikings lost on this deal. For uh, those that are wondering. Wild turkey. Oh, wild turkey. Rye. You know, I, I feel that the Vikings lost in this deal. They, You look at the compensation. They traded away a veteran player. He's aging, yes, but he's productive when healthy, not always healthy. But they, they traded away a guy who was a key piece of their defense last year and still has pass rushing ability. He's still a good player. The Browns have him now. The Vikings get a fifth rounder back for next year and a fifth rounder back in 2025. Or sorry, yeah, 2025, and then they gave up a sixth rounder and a seventh rounder in next year's draft. So they they didn't add draft picks to this by giving away a, a player. They got slightly more valuable day three picks, but they didn't add any to their haul. And, and the other thing is, and we don't know exactly what the the financials land, but we're also taking on some of his salary. <laughs> so, uh, well, and there are reports on that. Yes, uh, it um, came out. I Mary, haven't seen them. Per Mary Cabot, the the Vikings will cover three point three dead cap money plus part of Z's new guarantee of approximately five million dollars. So that would be eight million, right? Now yeah. I've got I've got the contract up there right now per OTC. Last mm-hmm. year he had a cap number of three point one six 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 six, right? Oh, this year he would have had a guaranteed salary of minimum a little over five million. He was going to make fifteen and a half million. So if you take that, if you look at it from a money standpoint, even paying the eight million we're supposedly paying the Browns to take him, plus. The three point one six 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 on infinitum that we gave him last year. That's still only about eleven, little over eleven million dollars we played for, paid for him on a one year rental, right? Mm-hmm. And and supposedly when he came to the Vikings last year, it was with the intent of it being basically a one year deal, and then they would renegotiate after the first deal. That's why I think Z was so bent out of shape. Is when the Vikings, when he came back to say, hey, now pay me for what I'm worth. I had 10 and a half sacks. You know, I had nine and a half of them or whatever it was in the first nine games before I got my knee bone bruised and then my tweaked my elbow later. And they said, we can't afford it. Can you imagine saying, hey, we've got now account for 15 point, 15 and a half million. We'd have to do something somewhere else just to make room for Z. If if we retained him, so, but if you add that eight plus the sum from last year, say eleven and a half million, would you give eleven and a half million for a, a top twenty edge rusher? Heck yes! Oh yes! Oh, yes. I mean that that's a good deal. Now, when it comes to it, the draft picks, you, uh, you you said yeah, we improved two day three ones. If you use the Rich Hill chart, 
and then you get values for those draft picks, the Vikings win that one easily. A third rounder's worth approximately 17 points, or uh, pardon me, a fifth rounder's worth 17 points, a sixth is worth six, and I think a seven is worth three, if I remember the numbers correctly. Yep. And uh, so we're gaining 34 points worth of value and giving up nine. Difference is 25. If you look at where 25 falls on the Rich Hill chart, that's mid-round fourth. So if you want to take it, now granted, they're two-fifths. I'm, if you average it out, it's a mid-round fourth. But if you take those two-fifths, merge them together, we got a value of a mid-round fourth for a guy that was going to leave anyways. Yes, and, and the other thing which is that we created – some calorie salary yes. cap relief, which is which is important because the Vikings, before this trade was made, they had basically 1.1 million in salary cap space according to over the cap, which is nothing. It, it wouldn't even get you to sign a couple of their draft picks, <laughs> the, the rookies. So they needed to create space. This was a pretty obvious way to do it. Uh, but again, it, it, when you're looking at the player you gave up, sure, you do want to be here, but as a as a fan, you're kind of like, well, that's not such a great deal. Couldn't you get a little bit more? Did you have to give away draft picks to 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 sign them? So it, it, that is the the fan in me. I don't think this is a great deal. But to be fair to Quasi Adolfo Mensa, and I, we have to be fair, and you're gonna and other people have already mentioned this, uh, is that um, you know he's he's. For one thing, not every move that he's going to make am I going to think is a great move. <laughs> well, and, and there's a lot of people already that think he's yeah. failing. But. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and they're idiots. But <laughs> but, but if you, if you look at Quasi Adolfo Mensa, uh, and he's looking at it, I think in a few different ways. A, like we mentioned, you got a player who doesn't want to be here. That's a problem. You're not. You're you can't pay him what he wants to be paid. So you've got to do something. Uh, sometimes the, the deal that the deals that you get, you don't have the greatest bargaining position. Sometimes you're not in an advantageous position. And the Vikings were not in this case. They got a player who doesn't want to be here. Everybody in the league knows that. Yeah. He publicly a, went out and, you know, sold the yeah. house, put out the tweet. He yeah. wants to move on. He wants to move on. Everybody in the league knows that. So that's a bargaining chip away from you already. Um, and the other part is everybody in the league knows what the Vikings salary cap situation is. So what's, you know, you know they can use that against Kwesi Dofamensa. The, the other part of it is, is that to get this deal done, to, to trade Zadarius Smith, you had to find a player, you had, sorry, you had to find a team that was willing to renegotiate his contract as part of the trade. So that adds another complexity to it, and that you got to find a team that's willing to, you know, sign him to a better deal before you trade him. That I think that lessens your your bargaining uh, power as well. And for Quasi Dofamensa, he's probably looking at it again. Uh, no, I don't want to give up draft picks, but if I can improve my draft position, even if I'm giving a, if I'm not adding any picks in this trade, and I can get the salary cap space that I desperately need uh, and get this off the books and allow me to sign my rookies and maybe address some other things in the season, or at least this, this gives the Vikings at least one of the big moves that they have to make to be able to operate in the league this year with enough cash to do things in case somebody gets injured or a few people mm -hmm. have, to, have to get injured and the have to sign other fight. guys. 
the rainy day fund. That's, I think, how he was looking at it. I don't think Quasi Dofomensa loved this deal, but I think that he felt that based on the salary cap situation, the player situation, and the fact that he'd already he signed Marcus Davenport. So you're not you've got a guy who can plug in and play and take Zadaria Smith's position even if you trade him and you've still got DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones the third as your depth guys. And that's still pretty decent depth. Um, you know, I think that's how he was looking at it. And again, sometimes the deals that you have to make aren't always what you want to make. They aren't the best deals. They're not going to be a deal that fans are going to look at and say, man, the Vikings won that, you know, they put it over on the Browns. That did not happen this in this case. Uh, and I said, not a great deal, but we also don't know. I'm sure Kwesi Dovamensa canvassed the whole league as best he could as to what uh, can I – Zedaria Smith, we're looking to move him, uh, talking to teams about what they might get. Maybe this was the best deal that was out there too. And the, and the other thing to, to keep in mind is that, uh, again, you kind of got something – um, you, you know, you got something where maybe if you release him, you don't get anything. You You did get – you upped your, your draft pick value, your draft capital. And I think the other thing is that if you look at over the cap, one final thing, Dave, is that uh, the Vikings could have released him, but that would have given them less. They would have ate more dead cap dead space cap. and they wouldn't have created as much cap space by releasing him even post June the 1st than by trading him pre June the 1st. So there's some math involved here for Quasi Dofamensa. There's you know that a lot of math, I think, salary cap and <laughs> yep. and and the draft cap value, and the fact that uh, he had a roster that he felt comfortable with at edge, that he had guys that could replace Darius Smith. So I think that's why he made the move. I don't I don't think he's thrilled was thrilled about doing it, but sometimes you got to make deals that uh, don't look that great on the surface, but are long, short term and long term are better for the franchise. And we're going to get into this with Dalvin Cook probably right after June 1st as well because everybody expects him to be moved and we're in almost identical situations where everybody knows Minnesota's situation. They know they're probably going to move on Dalvin Cook. They're waiting for him to be cut. But if they trade for him, they're going to have to cut some of that or going to have to – make some of that $14 million salary yes, you know, less impactful on whoever trades for him. Hopefully he can work that team. Now, the Browns, Kwesi obviously has the relationship with that front office because he was in it back then. That helps. Let's hope that's the case when we get to the Dalvin Cook trade or post-June 1st cut because that's on the way, folks. Get Be prepared for it. I'd be shocked if it didn't happen, but be prepared for that. Now, with this, there was one last thing I wanted to put up. You and I had talked offline, and you had asked, let me hit the right button, if Spielman made this trade, we'd call him a dope. I absolutely agreed. Yeah, we would. But yeah. all this is part of cleaning up the Spielman legacy. Yes, Z was their guy, but it is an effort to make last year competitive and help with the transition to a new defense. He did that while doing the competitive rebuild and eventually get cap healthy. 
to me, this is the big point. Playing all these financial tricks to bump salary down the road, right? Either be it with his contract, which is not the big cause of the pain. The pain comes from another contract where they put in a bunch of void years and stuff like that. But where they can do that, eventually, like I've said before, all that comes to, at one point, has to be paid. This is part of that paying process to get healthy. They've got to do this. So next year, yeah, we're paying $8 million this year, but next year we're paying zero when it comes to Zadarius Smith. And we have room, a little bit more room, to maneuver and get healthy while staying competitive. Like I said, we've got Davenport. While staying competitive, um, but have room. We gained a little bit of extra draft clout. That may go towards trading up for the QB of the future because that's coming, whether it's next year or the year after. That's on the docket no matter what. This builds that up. And I think it was the probably the most optim, optimum move Quasi could have made for what he had. Yeah, I to, we've gone over that. Uh, and I, I just, I kind of, it, it's funny because it, not that Spielman didn't deserve his criticism, but again, mm-hmm. I just feel that like, you know, with the, the feelings and the, and the dislike of Spielman towards the end of his tenure, even if he makes this deal again, everybody is trashing it and saying, what an idiot. And even though, you know, if you rationalize it like we have done, you can see why you, you as a Viking, as Quasi Dofa had to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But uh, hey, just a, just an observation on my end. Um, Quasi Dofa it's it, the, 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 uh, the luster is, is uh, quickly uh, coming it's off quickly his bust. coming bu- off. But hey, we always coming off his bust. That Spielman kept old guys on way yes. too long. And yes. we said, no, yes. we've got to be like more like New England where you get rid of them too early rather than too late. Well, this is an example of that. It's what we asked for. So mm-hmm. I have – I really have no issue with it other than I was so excited to see all three of those guys on the field at once. That was going to be exciting and quite pleasurable. But it won't happen. Aaron's, Aaron, Aaron just made a thing about saying, uh, like, Zadarius wasn't loyal to the Packers. These are, no, no, he wasn't. I think Zadarius Smith is, as I think all players should be, is loyal to himself <laughs> and getting the most money he can in the short amount of time he's going to be playing this game. I, I don't begrudge guys for that. Uh, there was a, a few jokes when, when Smith uh, sent his farewell on social media by Packer fans saying, oh, there's the annual Zadarius Smith, I want a new contract uh, ploy. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if the Browns have to deal with this uh, next year as well, if Z uh-huh. has a better year than, than they're anticipating. And somebody had mentioned the, the Browns, if their quarterback play gets better, which we anticipate Watson gets better, and their defense, they should be better. I'm all for it in the AFC. Let the AFC, where there's an arms race, beat up on each other. By all means, go right ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. Harms, it's good to see you over here, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, glad you've joined the show. Yes, Aaron, there's something to be said. He signed the effing contract. But there's sometimes when players have leverage, and in this case, 
or means of getting out of contracts in this way he did. I, I always say about he signed the contract, that's true, all, but teams have no bones on cutting a guy that they've signed a contract to immediately if they don't think that he's doing the job or they can find somebody better. So I have no sympathy for NFL franchises who cry the thing. You sign the contract when they're just quite willing to cut a guy, no matter how long tenured or short tenured. As soon as no he's matter not, what their contract was. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as he's no longer useful to the team. So it mm-hmm. kind of cuts both ways, I think. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, you asked about Dalvin. We'll get into Dalvin when the Dalvin situation arises, which should be in about two should, weeks. Should be, should, yeah, should be soon. And uh, that brings us to theme two. Here we are analyzing the schedule. Schedule dropped uh, Thursday, right? It was the 11th. Thursday night. We all so knew about, we, about we knew. 1 o'clock on Thursday. We uh, There's enough leaks that we had the, the final schedule, but officially Thursday night at 7 Central. So we've known for a while who the Vikings are going to play. That's That wasn't the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew that the schedule featured some – Difficult quarterback, uh, <laughs> um, uh, quarterback um, duels there, but uh, we didn't know how it was all going to shake out. Like when we're going to be playing, which teams, and what months, and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's kind of also part of the, the important thing of the schedules is that you know you can have a different schedule, but depending on how it all lays out, you know, some are more manageable for your favorite team, like the Vikings, than maybe others when you get a very difficult part of the schedules where you get, you know, stacks up and you look at it and you kind of, Ooh, we're going one and four on that stretch. And that's not very good. Um, so coming out uh, on the 11th, we now have an idea. We now know when the Vikings are going to be playing and, and that allows us to kind of look at, okay, how might the Vikings do? What are the tough stretches? What are the real big issues? The, the first thing that people are going to, that I saw that people were, uh, mentioning was like just the amount the five right now five prime time games which is more than the Vikings indicated in green on that schedule slide yes which which is more than the Vikings have had in in a few years quite some time um I, advised, now a couple of them I'm, yes as of week some 12 flexing. which is uh the Bears game Monday night Bears game they can be flexed out or flexed in Yes. So they could even have more than five primetime games, depending on on how things go. Um, I don't know if the Raiders and the Vikings game is going to be a hot ticket, but (laughs) you never know. There are people already buying their plane tickets out of Minnesota to Vegas specifically for that game. Just because it's December in Minnesota and Vegas is warm and Vegas is Vegas and it's an excuse to get out of Minnesota. And supposedly the airlines cranked up their fares, Minneapolis to Vegas, up to 400% as soon as that schedule mm. released. Um, yeah, so I, myself, Dave, I don't know about you, but I hate the Vikings in prime time because I like watching them at, at 11 a.m. Mountain time. Uh, gets the day, get to watch it early, 
then I get the rest of the day to watch other games and not worry about shit. Um, and if they're, when they're playing prime time, I got to wait all day for them to play and they play at night. They generally shit the bed in prime time. And then I'm really, I've been waiting all year day. And then as I go to bed, I'm, I'm cranky as hell because the Vikings have lost and not played very well in prime time. So most times well, I'd, that's, that's I'd be you. happy. They, if I'm they back didn't. on the East coast, that means like a, uh, Post-game shows at midnight, 1 o'clock, and it makes for a long night. <laughs> it does. And, um, but, you know, that's just me. Um, some people like the excitement of the primetime games. I, I, I'd hope I'd be happy if they never played any primetime games, but that's just me. Um, but looking at the, the schedule, Dave, I think it all, to me, looking at this, uh, the season is going to be made or made or not made by those first seven games that we're looking at right there. Um, you got in the first seven day games, you're going to play the Super Bowl champion. <laughs> you're going to play the the team that was lost in the Super Bowl, the Eagles. And then you're going to play the 49ers. <clears throat> the, you know, the, you're going to play the 49ers who were uh-huh. – uh, it, which if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt, maybe they're in the Super Bowl, right? So that's a pretty tough, tough test. Um, you, you were show, you were, and uh, you know that that that's a very tough test. I think you've got, you know, so during that first seven games, Dave, if the Vikings somehow can manage to go, um, like four and three in that stretch, or maybe even five and two, that's going to really, really set them up well for later on in the, mm-hmm. I think in the year. Uh, Cause I don't know, like, it just feels like, you know, I feel they'll be in pretty good shape over the, for the final 11 games to, to, to make the playoffs repeat as maybe to repeat as NFC North champions. Um, you know, they've got after that, that, you know, they've got, I think a much more manageable stretch where you've got Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, Las Vegas, a home game against the Bears. And then you got the bye week in week 13 after those, after you had the first seven and the following games. Uh, again, if you're go, you know, that's a favorable stretch of games for the Vikings. I think where potentially they could rack up some wins, make a strong push for the division and the playoffs. If they could take care of business in those first seven games, with which you know have some difficult matchups, and you've even in that first seven games I didn't mention, you've also got the Chargers, another playoff team in 2022 with a great young quarterback and Justin Herbert in week three, and then you got to play on the road in Soldier Field, and we know that there's no games, uh, there's rarely a game. Last year was an exception. When the Vikings go to Soldier Field, it's never a gimme, and the Bears always seem to play us play us tough. And the Bears should be improved compared to 2022. So that game might not be as easy as last year's game. Hopefully that's not the case, but we all know. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's expecting good things from Justin Fields and hopefully taking his next step in development now that he's going to be their quarterback and all that yada, yada, blah, blah. I hope you screw it up, Chicago. Indeed. Uh, so, but again, going back, those first seven games, I think, is pretty critical, Dave. If you go instead of going four and three and five and two, you know, if you go three and four or you go two, two, two and five. five, that's you know that end. Then Morning you're playing catch up. Mm-hmm. Morning bells, you're playing catch up. You're going to have to. You'll have very little margin for error the rest of the season. You'll have to win a whole bunch of games in a row to 
to hopefully even make the playoffs. And that's just not a situation you want to be in. Um, so the Vikings are going to be, have to be ready right off the mark. I know they got Tampa Bay to start with Baker Mayfield. Supposedly, we assume he will be. <laughs> we assume he'll be the starter. So that should be a game that's that's at home that I think you, you, you can win. But again, those first seven games very tough. Uh, Vikings have got to come out and be on the positive side on the win loss side of things. And and again, uh, if they can do that. And Kevin, you know, that's going to be the big test for Kevin O'Connell. He's going to have to have them ready right from the get go, just like last year when they went, you know, six and one in that first seven games. If uh, you know, that's the kind of start that was a dream start. I don't see that happen again this year, but but they're, they're at least going to, I think, have to be over 500 during that seven game to really. And I, I think if they are at that point, I'll feel good about the way the rest of the season is going to go because we'll have done well in a very tough stretch of our of our schedule. Well, let's break it down real quick. First game, Tampa Bay. Do we expect anything out of Tampa Bay? No. I don't either. Uh, Baker Mayfield, if he – Baker Mayfield has times of being a very good quarterback, and other times he's just a a complete wreck. So – and the whole team is old, and they've lost players, and they're entering basically a rebuild deal. I'm not worried about Tampa Bay. The Eagles <laughs> obviously has Jalen Hurts. They built up on their defensive line even more during the draft. They're scary. That to me, they're very, very scary. However, they lost both their OC and DC to head coaching gigs this year. Yes, so true. They've got new. Coaches coming up now, obviously they kept the same head coach, but they've got new coaches coming up. And usually one of the two Super Bowl teams has a hangover the following year. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that in the second game against the Eagles at Philadelphia, it's them versus the Chiefs. Now, I'd love for both of them to have the problem, but hey, it is what it is. Now, that game's going to be tough, but it's tough on both teams because it's such a short turnaround from week one to instantly playing the Thursday night football game. But it gets it out of the way for us early in the season. We don't have to worry about it after that. That's right, yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll be very healthy at that point. Most likely they will be too. It should be a good game. I'm looking forward to seeing it, but I do think the Vikings, if they play it right, and Kevin O'Connell in his offense in the second year, all doing the kumbaya and taking that next step because they already know everything, out offenses their defense, and then our defense, hopefully communication is in place by then and we're all nice and we squeak out a win there. (laughs) <laughs> then comes the Chargers, right? We have a week and a half for the Chargers, roughly. And there you have two coaches that are similar. You've got the young stud playing court- quarterback over the Chargers, but the Chargers never seem to get over the hump. Whether they will this year or not, we don't know. It's it's going to be a good game. We'll find out. The Panthers, there we go to the Panthers. That is the Adam Thielen revenge game. Not that that's going to make a whole lot of difference. It's a good storyline. Do you have any 
issues thinking that even with the first round draft choice, that the Vikings are going to have a hard time with the Panthers? Not at this stage, unless you know the the, the Panthers get off to a, a strong start in their first three games. They're another team that's rebuilding, uh, and with a young quarterback and Bryce Young, as good as he, as a lot of people think he is, he's going to struggle as well. I think early on, getting used to the NFL defenses Bryce Young. and yeah, yeah, and the, and the whole playing against guys that are humongous and being able to see <laughs> see through them and throw over them and all that sort of stuff. So. Uh, I, I don't. I think you know that's a game. Certainly, the Vikings are favored in, even though it's on the road. Um, the, yeah. The next game is a Sunday afternooner, which means they'll probably net most net of the nation sees it against the Chiefs. T. Kubler says Chiefs will fall big time in 2023-24. We hope you're right, but I've got the best quarterback in football right now, and Patrick Mahomes. That's going to be a tough one. Followed by, and, but go ahead. you know, I thought, I thought, I thought their draft was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But followed by going to Soldier Field, which is always a tough place to play, whether because of the turf, if they want to call it that. It's just a weird stadium to play in, and we don't know. And then it's off to the Niners. Um, no, Niners are at home. That's going to be a good one. Niner Sickness hasn't joined the show yet today, but I was going to give him grief about that. Uh, as Norpheus says, wonder who's going to play quarterback when we play the Niners. Is it going to be Trey Lance? Is it going to be Brock Purdy? Or is it going to be, what is it? Um, their backups are just Sam, 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 Sam Darnold. We don't know, Norpheus. Norpheus. We don't know. And they are very, they're a very, very, very good team, as we all know. Their weakness seems to be their secondary, and who's and the question is who's playing quarterback? Could we win? Absolutely. We, hell, we could win all of them if the chips fall right. And, you know, Odin shines down on us, but it's going to be interesting. Like I, like you said. How we come out of those games is going to be a sign as to how the rest of the season goes because the rest of it tends to get a little bit easier on paper. And then we have the bye at week 13, which is a late bye. But if we're in good shape, it's the perfect bye because it lets the team rest going into the back stretch. And not a lot of, um, like, it also, I think it's an advantage is we don't play in Chicago or Green Bay late in the season when it's going to be cold. Um, I, I didn't even think of that. A, which I think is a, is yes, a good thing. Right. And we don't really play, like, Cincinnati might be a little bit cold that time of the year, mm-hmm. uh, like December 17th, but it's not going to be, chances are it's not going to be super, super frigid. Um, you know, you, you might get you might get some crappy weather conditions. I don't know, rain, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. but really, that's the only game late in the year where uh, you know Denver be a big factor. Then yeah, where weather might be a big factor. And for an indoor team like the Vikings, uh, I think that's uh, you know a little bit of an advantage and uh, something that's worth mentioning. Yeah, we've got a lot of inside I, games this year. You know, I don't besides, think you want to be 
Detroit always, but we got the Falcons. We've got uh, the Raiders play indoors. And all the outside games are relatively early other than Cincinnati. I don't think you, at least I never want to see the Vikings playing late in the season in Green Bay, especially if, if something is on the line um, in, in that game. Like, a, you know, I don't want us to be playing in a minus whatever <laughs> at, at Lambeau Field if there's a division title on the on the line, like it was in 2015, which we actually won that game. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, something but, I would like to avoid, and they are avoiding it this year. We got to defend the North. We do, uh, and I think it's um, – you know, I think last year's thirteen and four uh, record uh, for only the most only Viking fans with them looking through the most purple tinted glasses would have said that they expected them to go thirteen and four last year, um, and they did. Uh, I um, be great to see them do it again, at least repeat as NFC North division champions. But that again, that first seven games is going to really determine to me. That's going to that's going to sell it all that uh, by then our season could be over or it could be just getting started on something that's builds on what we did last really year. Special. Yeah. Cause if, again, if you can, if you can play Philly, uh, Kansas city, even, and, and San Francisco, and, and you can win two of those three games um, and, you know, and the chargers too, like if, it, instead of like last year where those kind of games are like, blowout games <laughs> you know for, for the for the vikings or we'd win them by this by this this you know like the that slimmest of margins but, come from behind yeah mm-hmm. yeah Heart but attack. you know we can come we can go in and, and win a couple of those games and in all three of those games look like a like play a solid game where we're where we are in it and clearly just as good as the other team that we're facing i think that's gonna that'll i think that'll make me feel a lot better about the vikings than I would have than I felt last year towards the end of the season after seeing what what had happened to them when they played Dallas, what had happened to them when they played Philly early in the year, what had happened to them even when they played the Colts for three quarters of that game. <laughs> you know, there was just a lot of warnings, flags that were popping up as the year went on, even though we kept saying, well, you know, they find a way to win. But the, the nagging part of us was like, yeah, but a, re- a 13 and 14 shouldn't need to have the greatest comeback in NFL history to beat a right, bad against Colts the Colts. Team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, speaking of Dallas, obviously they're not on the schedule. The only time we would meet them is in the playoffs. Uh, being down here in Austin, Texas, and Aaron, I'm sure, can attest to this. They are all full of themselves already this time of year, and they are spouting all over the place. They're thinking 13 wins minimum for their team. We'll see. Yeah. Um, if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd probably feel the same way uh, right now. Like, I'd be like, yeah, based on their draft, the defense is going to be awesome. And, then you know, the offense won't be too shabby either. Mm-hmm. Justin was at a Colts game with as a kid. Good for you. I'm a I'm – a, I am. Uh, I admire the fact that he didn't walk out of there at halftime mm-hmm. after what he saw. Because mm-hmm. uh, I would have. <laughs> if you, Justin, if your daughter saw that uh, that Colts game from last year and saw the comeback, that's got to be special. That's got to be special. All right, that brings us to theme three. Quick hitters. 
Yes, sir. Three topics today. Going to go on uh, just a, a lot has gone on. So just little quick hitters that touch on a few different subjects instead of just going uh, waiting a little while and taking them one at a time. But I want to talk about the cornerback um, uh, room with the Vikings. Uh, my favorite topic now that Irv Smith Jr. is uh, is no longer <laughs> with the Vikings, but but at co- cornerbacks and you know um, clearly I've had concerns. Yeah, well, clearly I've, I've had concerns about the cornerback room for a long time, but I think now you know the Vikings have twelve corners that they have on the roster right now, um, and they they uh, you know they added Byron Murphy in free agency. That was their big free agency signing. And they drafted a couple of corners in the draft. They, of course, they drafted Mackay Blackman, and then they drafted Jay Ward as well. Uh, but, you know, and that's improving the room. But I think even with the, the Murphy signing, Dave, and the selection of, of Blackman and Ward, uh, I, uh, kind of what the Vikings, uh, what they've showed, the fact that they haven't signed, well, they signed Jawan Williams, but I don't really count him as like, as a, as a veteran that I expect that I really have confidence in can come in and, and play and, and make a positive impact on the Vikings secondary in 2023. But he is another veteran they signed, but based on what they did with their, their signings and free agency at, and what's happened in the draft, you know, they, they didn't, they, they took Addison, Jordan, you know, Addison in the first round at wide receiver instead of taking a cornerback when Joey Porter Jr. was still there, when Deontay Banks was still there, a couple of guys that had been mocked to them. Uh, they took the wide receiver and then they waited until the third round to address the cornerback position by getting Blackman. I think that that kind of shows that the guys, a couple of guys, Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth Jr., that those guys, that Brian Flores, that Quasi Dofamensa, they feel good about what Booth and Caleb Evans are, can bring them in 2023. They feel confident that they're counting on them to play a big role in that secondary. And I think that they feel comfortable with them playing a big role in the secondary. Otherwise they might've tried to assign maybe another veteran who's had a bit more playing experience than Jawan Williams, who's had more success at the pro level instead of just Byron Murphy. Um, so you know, I think that that's noteworthy. We'll have to see if it works. Um, and Blackman and even Ward could have a big role with the team uh, if they, you know, even though they, we expect that Booth and Caleb Evans are going to be, along with Byron Murphy, are going to be the top three cornerbacks. But that might not be the case. But it's it's kind of wide open right now. But I do think that that Booth and and Evans, um, I feel a little bit better. I think now that it's clear that the new defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have signed on with this team and he wouldn't have signed. I think he, he, he might've been, you know, I don't think that the Vikings getting going for Addison in the first round. I think that that shows more that the Flores feels pretty good about Booth and Evans, which makes me feel a little bit better about <laughs> Booth and Evans and the fact that they might be playing <laughs> a bit, a bit more too in 2023. Again, is it going to work or not? I don't know. Uh, still concerned, but just something to keep in mind. If, if uh, you know, I felt worth m- mentioning that those guys, uh, they must have the coaches. They must be in favor with the coaches. The coaches must feel pretty good about what they can do. Right, and as we all know, cornerback is one of those long-term developmental spots. It's rare that you get somebody extremely good a rookie year. I mean, that's yes, buku rare, less than five percent. <laughs> It usually yeah. takes 
two, three years for a cornerback to get up to speed to the NFL level. And these guys are entering year two. Now, I really like Blackman. I, I love the pick of Blackman. I love what he can bring. But, again, he's behind the power curve. But I think it gives Flores a whole bunch of opportunity to mix and match and do his who-are-we-playing thing. I know this guy would be Blackman, Booth, Evans, Murphy, uh, can play against this style of receiver well and shut him down. So I'm going to put him on here, and I'm going to move these other two guys over here. And he, that he's doing this all during the game to confuse. And by this, for the audio listeners, I'm moving my hands. I come from Italian heritage. Yeah. I talk with my hands. But moving <laughs> chess pieces around the board so that it comes up with the best defense. From a military standpoint, you're moving your troops around to give the best defense or the best Offense count, and when you're thinking defense of counterattack, of how to be in place to defeat the guys coming in. And I think the way Flores views this, at least I hope he does, that he has good people, like you said, that he bought off on that, that he's not like, hey, Minnesota offers me a job. Do I want to go take it? Well, no, they suck. They got the wrong type of personnel. There's no way I'm going to succeed and go on to my next step. Screw that. I'll go someplace else. That didn't happen. He Mm -hmm. said, yes, no, this is a good fit. I like this. I can work with what we have already, and we can get more, and we can get better. And I like that, and I think you've hit it right on a nail on top of the head, that this could be turned into what was a weakness for the Vikings into a strength. And to you mentioning about how cornerbacks take a while, you know, yeah, the sauce gardeners I find are pretty rare in the NFL that just come right out of college and, and do what they did in college, which in sauce gardeners case, he was shut down from day one in the, in the NFL. Pretty impressive. Um, usually it takes a little while. Xavier Rhodes is a perfect ex- example of that. You know, he took him, he was into year three or four before he really got it. Uh, hopefully Evans and Booth are, quicker studies and don't take that long because uh, we need them to <laughs> to play much better than they did as a rookie. And as, as was mentioned in the comment earlier, uh, also be healthy for the whole year because uh, health has been a problem for them in college. And it was in, in their rookie year in the NFL as well. And with the, with the depth that the Vikings have at the cornerback position, which isn't that still isn't, you know, there's concerns. We can't have these two guys getting hurt for large stretches of the season yeah. or else or else you're going to have to have a guy like Jawan Williams come in and play him and you don't want him to. You're going to have to have maybe a guy like Makai Blackman playing more than you would like, or even Jay Ward. So, uh, yeah, health is important for these guys. Yep, I agree completely. Davey posts that uh, he's not a big fan of the 3-4, but if we keep Hunter, he'll thrive better in a 4-3 instead of a 3-4. Davey, I tend to disagree. I think Hunter is just... Enough of a physical freak, he thrives in both. Now, we talk about learning curves. It took him half a season last year under uh, Donatel before he started being productive. And so we sort of got a half and half with half being Zedarius in the first nine games. And then in the second bunch of games, 
Daniil stepped it up and was back to his normal self, I think with if we make him happy, right? Daniil's an issue. We talked about Cook earlier. Daniil Hunter's an issue that's going to be coming up in the relative, relatively near future. Yes, he's under contract, but he's only getting paid $5 million or so. That's too low. He's going to want more. So I think Daniil would be fine. And I think the way Flores uses people is to maximize what they do best. And if that's putting Daniil on the edge with his hand in the dirt, like he does in the 4-3, even though we may call it a 3-4, and, and most of the time, folks, we're less than a court, you know, 25% in base. We're, we're going to throw nickels and dime packages and all sorts of other things. But if he put his hand in the dirt and let him go, go get the quarterback. Quarterback over there, kill the quarterback. Do that, right? Which is what an edge rusher loves. It's just like, oh, quarterback. Mm, 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 ah, 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 right? And that's what they do. They fo- they focus. I'm going to hit that quarterback, whether he's got the ball or not. I don't care. I'm going to hit him. I'm going to make him make choices a whole lot quicker, which helps the team. I'm going to get the quarterback. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. That's what an edge rusher thinks. That's what they should think. I think Daniil will do just fine. I, I, like I said, I think it took him the first half of the season to learn the adjustments. I think Donatel used him wrong, uh, used the whole defense wrong for that matter, but he did adjust and it became <laughs> his old self. So I think he'll do just fine. I'm not worried about that. That brings us to the second quick hitter safety spaces. Yeah, but mostly. Uh... The uh, this week when the schedule came out, the uh, Vikings Entertainment Network they they interviewed a few players to get their their thoughts on the on the schedule, and uh, they interviewed Lewis Seen, um, the, who's now going into his second year. Last year, our, our first round pick, um, and Dave, uh, I've said this before, but every time that Lewis Seen gets interviewed, I'm always impressed by what he says and how he says it. Uh, very well-spoken guy. Seems really intelligent, uh, which I like in a football player. I don't, I, you know, I, Rockheads can be good football players too, but I think uh, it helps if you're smart and talented. That's right. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I, so, and he got interviewed by, by them and they talked about, they asked him a question was basically, um, you know, what, what can Vikings fans expect to see from you and the Vikings defense in 2023? And Sean said, well, I don't really want to talk about me, but I will talk about the, I want to talk about our defense. Another thing that I like to hear from him, uh, team first guy. Uh, but he said, and this really, here's what he said, exact words is like, I think you're going to see a lot of speed, aggressiveness, and all out malice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, man, I can two thumbs up for that answer, Lewis Seen, um, because, you know, I love it. And if that's what we're going to get from him and Brian Flores and the whole thing, I'm all for it after what we saw last year with Ed Donatel. And it also made me think of that, you know, Lewis Seen last year, as we've, as you've got, as he's got a new defensive coordinator this year, you know, really, Lewis Seen last year, it wasn't a great year for him, clearly. Um, he didn't, he didn't. He didn't get to be, he wasn't going to be the starter. I don't know if he would have been, got to this. He didn't see the field much. He didn't beat out Cameron Bynum for a starting safety spot, which was a bit of a red flag. And then he got, had that gruesome leg injury that, you know, put him out for the rest of the year anyway. But, Over in London, yep. 
Yeah, but even if he had been healthy the whole year, Dave, really for a guy like Seen who at Georgia, you know, he he covered, he was a guy who did a lot of things. They blitzed him a lot. He played in the slot and he covered slot receivers a lot. He was in the box a lot for run support. That kind of a talent, that kind of an athlete, he just, being in the Ed Donatel type of defense where the safeties are way back, defending the deep you know their main their main deal was to stop any deep passes and make any big passing plays that was their main responsibility lewisine and hitman smith for that matter lewisine's talents would would have been wasted in an ed Donatello right defense. it's antithetical to what we drafted him for yes yeah. which made you scratch your head and you know why did KOC pick Donatello if Donatello was going to run this style of defense? Why did we draft this guy? Yes. If he's just going to let him sit back 15, 20 yards and read a book and play, you know, yep. basically putting the safeties in a prevent position. I might as well pick it, might as well pick a safety in the 6th round if you're going to do that because Right, it, it's <laughs> just it, it blew our minds last year. And of course at Donatello Caught hell from the fans and eventually was told to retire. So now that Donatello is not here and Brian Flores is here, and we've got the change to a more what we believe is going to be a more aggressive defense, that doing multiple things, having asking players to do multiple things and not the same thing over and over and over. Um, I think that I'm I'm excited to see what Lewis Seen will do in this defense. First, he's got to beat out Cameron Bynum for a starting spot. So that's that's the first thing he has to do. But but if he does, you know, I'd really like to see, I'm excited to see if Brian Flores can use him like he used Javon Holland in Miami in 2021 uh, with the Dolphins, his, Flores' last year's head coach there, where, again, Holland was all over the field, uh, in the box, blitzing, uh, you know, in the slot you know, doing a bunch of things and not just being 20 yards down the field all the time. If, you know, if I, if, if um, Brian, Brian Flores uses Lewis Seen in that kind of a role, uh, really intrigued to see how Seen re- reacts to it, how he performs and what kind of a difference that makes in the Vikings defense in 2023. So something I'm really excited to see if it, again, if, if Brian Flores can bring out the things that we saw at Georgia in Lewis Seen at the pro level. Oh, that would be that would be sweet. You spoke spoke of Cameron Bynum. I've said this before. I'd love to see Cameron Bynum at nickel. See how he reacts down there. Say Flores puts says, "Hey, Cameron, we love you. You did great. Uh, all the film I watch, you're fantastic. But I got I'm starting scene next to Hitman. But don't be disappointed. I'm putting you at nickel, and I would like to see." I want to see that hopefully experiment in the preseason and see how it works out because I think if we do that, I think Cameron Bynum could be a very good nickel, and that may solve the problem of who plays nickel and right. not having to move Murphy in. And I think that leaving him outside. Mm-hmm. I think that and, and Bynum, but we don't know. Yeah, and Bynum's one of those guys too. Who is again the multiple right because he was a corner his whole career at Cal. Got switched to safety at the pro level when he got drafted in 2021. But again, Flores, Flores can potentially use his cover skills, his corner skills that he knows very well, and and use those, put those to use in the new Vikings defensive system that he's going to run. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
But I do believe seeing, I think we're in, uh, we can expect and in uh, anticipation for a good season by this young kid and how Flores uses him. I expect him and Hitman both. I think the, the safeties will be dreaded by opposing offenses because those guys, Hitman may not move as fast, but he obviously hits as hard. And seen is an absolute missile when he sees and goes. He just he tears things up. I, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. And uh, I do love his response of the all-out malice. Oh, yeah, baby. That's the way yeah. I want my defense playing, period. Everybody on the defense play that way. It's going to be great. Yeah, and, and he may uh, – you know, this system may be better for him in that I hate the word sometimes, but the fact that Flores will be getting him to play downhill, you know, you know, like just, just hit something, hit a hole, hit somebody. Uh, don't, you know, I don't want you to like hang back and try to read what coverages are going on. Like see something and hit it. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's it's going to be fun. Hey, I, w- I want an aggressive defense like that. We haven't had it in a, since Zimmer's good defenses. So, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. That brings us to our last quick hitter. I want to say RIP to the toughest Chicano. And uh, I put that in quotes. I'm not the one that said toughest Chicano. But uh, Chicano, for those that are suddenly throwing out flags of racism, is a term that folks, that they, the culture, brought upon themselves back in the early 60s. It is a point of pride. And Joe Cap himself was proud of it. And it's a wonderful culture. It's uh, Americans born of Mexican descent, if you did not know. He was a tough SOB. And he meant a lot to the Vikings. He brought us to our first Super Bowl. Darren, tell us about him. Well, I think everybody who's a Vikings fan for any stretch of time has got a, you know, they can talk about Joe Cap. Uh, in in my case, uh, Dave, um, his is the year he's before my time, really. Um, when the, the year that he that he brought the Vikings to the the Super Bowl championship, their first in in sixty nine slash seventy. You know, I was born in nineteen sixty nine, so uh, I never saw Joe Cap play. Um, I all of well, born all in '63, and it was way early. I mean, he played when I was alive, and I would have been watching. And obviously, I went to the the Bears game in '69 and have some memories of that. But at the old Met, yeah, it didn't. So, what I know of Joe Cap and and his and on the field is what I've seen in the highlights and the NFL films and the interviews and that sort of thing. Not the same as having seen him play, but Mr. 60, you know, six, uh, 40, for 40 for 60, 46, 60, you know, um, I have a soft spot in Joe Cap's heart because he got a start in the CFL, of course, with the BC lions, won a few great cups with, with the BC lions before, Bud Grant brought him over um, to the Vikings in, in 67. So, you know, it's it's been a tough couple of months for Viking fans because we've lost two big icons, Mr. You know Bud Grant, who is the Minnesota Vikings, and then Joe Cap, who, as Viking fans, 
the guy that the quarterback who leads you to your first Super Bowl, you're always going to like, I think, have a soft spot in, in your heart for that guy. And Joe Cap is that guy for Viking fans. Um, you know, uh, the stats wise, it, it was a diff- totally different era when he played Dave, of course. But, oh, yes. you know, if you look at if you look at his stats, you're kind of like, how did this guy even get in the league? You know, he never threw for 2000 yards. Uh, he he had 24 more interceptions than touchdown passes. But but he does own the single game touchdown pass record at seven, seven. Uh, So, but you you know you you listen to his his teammates, and that tells you a lot about why Joe Cap was able to make it as a pro quarterback when he did, even when he was unconventional and maybe didn't have the best arm, but just fantastic leader of men, fantastic person, uh, and and somebody who told it like it was was a guy who believed that the team trumped individual players, something that you don't see as much of these days. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, even with his stats being, I would say, a little bit underwhelming in his three years with the Vikings, the Vikings went 23-12-2 and two or 23-12-3 and three during his three years with the Vikings. So they won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 he, and he, now he had a great defense, to go along with it uh, when he was playing. But uh, Joe Cap, Joe Cap was there to take the Vikings from a team that had been basically mediocre or worse since they joined the league in 61 and turn got them to the Super Bowl. And he always played, he always played tough. He always played hard and he always, and he played hurt. And again, uh, just a guy that with the leadership qualities that he had, the kind of man that he was, um, you know, it's, it's it's sad to see him go, and especially when we learn that it was, he suffered from dementia all, slash Alzheimer's in his later years, and that seems to have been hit so many football players, and including you know guys like Matt Blair and the great Fred McGill and the great Matt Blair. They also suffered from mm-hmm. those kind of problems, and probably were impacted by CTE. Joe Cap was concerned that CTE was the reason why he had problems with dementia in his, in his later years, and so really sad for me that that's the way he went out, but uh, glad and honored that he was a Viking for the short time that he was because, uh, you know, even we're still talking about him 50 years after he last played for the Vikings and, uh, and, and he holds a special place in the hearts of a lot of longtime Viking fans and even some not so longtime Viking fans. So well, just and rest, in, made, rest in peace, Joe. Yep. And he made the, effort he stayed out demanding more pay for players yes that directly or indirectly led to the nfl players association and the negotiation of contracts and the free agency and all that all that started with joe cap and Mm -hmm. to you know did he stay on the vikings past 69 no we brought in fran tarkington because he held out 70 but you gotta you gotta love he was tough he was like i said a tough sob and that was you gotta love that and a guy playing football it epitomized football and so our hearts go out to him all that remember him like i said i was six just turned six when i watched him play it's just, he's a Vikings, part of Vikings history. Got us to the first Super Bowl. So 
we wish his family all the condolences and Vikings family as well. May rest in peace. As Merlin, you can hear, speaks up to pay his tribute. He is. Way to go, Merlin. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of the show. And the end of your beer. So, which is good timing. Hey, I want to thank everybody that's joined us today. We've had good participation. Love it. Seen a lot of people. We know Norpheus used to be Norse Force. Uh, Good to see you guys here. Saw some new faces. That's awesome. Have you got any last words there, Darren, before we sign off? Just waiting we'll let's see waiting to see what next week and the next couple of weeks bring uh, for the vikings um you know this is the kind of potentially is the boring part of the off season where you're just going to hear about uh, rookie mini camp or otas but the, the dalvin cook thing is the big thing that needs to the vikings need to resolve and like you said uh, probably going to happen after june 1st which isn't too far away um so we might not have any news about that next week but a couple of weeks from now uh, we may know more about uh, what the future, like what's happened, what the Vikings are doing with Dalvin Cook. Are we cutting him? Or are we going to trade him for something, another meager return, like in the Zedaria Smith situation? Uh, Don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll, we will find out more. Uh, as I was telling Justin, not to go away. What we've got coming up on Vikings first and Skull tomorrow. We always have the Real Forno Show at 6 p.m. But tomorrow we have a double header of the Real Forno Show. Double header, header, Dave? Yep, we have a double header. We have a matinee at approximately 3.30 live. Keep tuned in to Vikings First and Skull to get notifications and Twitter. If uh, that's where you follow it, Tyler has on a guest, Mr. Connor Jones, NBC Sports. He is the NBC Sports draft expert. And, of course, Tyler, you know, loves the draft. He's going to be talking about that and all relationships to the Minnesota Vikings. Then the Real Forno show at its normal time at 6 p.m. PM Central on this very channel. Tyler Fornis, myself, and Justin Day will be joining the show to talk your Minnesota Vikings. So there you go, Justin. We look forward to you joining the show tomorrow night and us having a great time. And if you haven't heard already, we ask you to subscribe to the Vikings First and Skull podcast feed. You get all our live shows on podcast. If you miss them, right, you can always rewatch on YouTube. If you can't rewatch on YouTube because of work or the wife or whatever, you can always listen on podcasts. Any of the aggregators, we're there. But on the podcast feed, we have some podcast feed-only shows. Once a week, we do Scolding with Friends. This last week, 
We talked about Jordan Addison with Corey Conan of Pitt, the Pitt Talk, Talk Network. He talked about Jordan Addison's time at Pitt and him winning the Blitnikoff Trophy and how that will translate to the Vikings. It was a great show. I highly encourage you to see it. Plus, every day now, we do the Vikings Daily Opener. That's where I read news of the previous 24 hours. I do it in a very mellow, sort of NPR-ish voice. Not NPR, but, you know, mellow that you could have over your morning coffee as you're driving to work. It's a great way to get your day started and a great way to get your fix. Make sure you subscribe to both. Like I said before, the podcast gets us our beer money. And Darren <laughs> is low on beer. And we don't want Darren low on beer. We want Darren full of plenty of beer because he does better to old bloggers that way. <laughs> just to let you know. And he's out. Yeah, he just looked at his cup. It's empty. It's empty. Just, to, just to let you know. That's what we've got coming up tomorrow. Just tomorrow. And we got more during the week. So what do we say, buddy? We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcast as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! Skull!